because it's going to sound pretty weird. Listen, <laughs> weird is my wheelhouse. That's where I live. Well, don't change, okay? And the home of the Episode 113 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. And it is episode 113, although it's not particularly spooky if you associate the number 13 with such things. And I don't know why you necessarily would, although if you do, then you may think that it is apt that this podcast is releasing on the first day of autumn. <laughs> Great connection, man. Which is, of course, the season of, you know, Halloween and, and kind of spooky, scary things. And our, our Lord and Savior, Pumpkin Spice, apparently. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Pumpkin Spice has turned into the new cranberry. It's in everything. Yeah, I mean... I have to assume that this is going to be a fad of some sort that will eventually kind of phase out, although it's lasted longer than I would have thought. And, uh, you know, I, I have somewhat firsthand experience with it. My sister is a card-carrying member of the cult of Pumpkin Spice, so I have some proximity to it. So I experience it a little bit, you know, through her, but I don't really get it. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, it, it expanded from coffee chains and and i guess uh maybe even cakes and muffins and stuff of that nature to everything now even air sprays and whatever you can think of there's some sort of pumpkin spice scent or flavor or whatever you name it my sister will buy it they currently have a couple of different kinds of pumpkin spice flavored cereal <laughs> in their oh, house wow. You know, to say nothing of the, like, pastries and, you know, cookies and, of course, the coffee. Yeah, we better be careful. There may be pumpkin spice-scented somethings to put in our hockey bags or equipment or whatever the case is. It would not surprise me in the slightest. Although, if you want to talk scary, just take a whiff of my goalie bag. <laughs> you know, that, that will turn your hair white. Uh, well said, sir. Yeah, I... It was so hot last week, James. I Lysoled and, and cleaned, you know, my gear after the last time we played as best I could because it, it was, you know, rancid because of how hot it's been this summer. And like just after one period, I'm not exaggerating, after one period of play, I think it already stunk. Yeah, it's it's more of the humidity than anything else. And, and, you know, Gary and I are very respectful complaining about the weather because first off, just thank God that Kevin and Lou from North Carolina there that they got through the hurricane in, in, in good form and hopefully everybody's OK and nobody lost any property or whatever the case was with the flooding and, and all that. But yeah, up here in the Northeast, we've just had an extremely humid, hot summer. And it's still continuing. As Gary said, we're looking forward to the fall and hopefully a break in that humidity. But that's the problem, because if you can't dry out because there's so much moisture in the air and that's just going to contribute to the scent not being uh, fresh or pumpkin spice any. Yeah, there's definitely no pumpkin spice in that bag. <laughs> I tell you what. You know, <laughs> the pumpkin was was uh, left out there from Halloween through Thanksgiving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Although in my neighborhood, the pumpkin would never stand a chance because the squirrels in my neighborhood are vicious. Oh I put out a pumpkin, they see a free meal. I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. Like I carve a jackal. This is <laughs> we're we're going a little bit far afield of the current season, getting a little ahead of ourselves. But just since we're talking about it. I carve a jack-o'-lantern every year. We get a pumpkin at the local garden center, Garden World, as it happens. And, you know, I design a, a pumpkin jack-o'-lantern design, which I then carve and put out in front of my home. And I know that candles are, uh, you know, LED candles have become a thing now. Real candles are much less of a, a thing, but 
I always have to put a real candle in my pumpkin and light it immediately after I put it out because if that candle is not burning, the squirrels will come and eat my pumpkin. Jeez Louise. Yeah, in my neighborhood, they, they don't mess around. They're vicious little buggers. Jeez. But, uh, you know, <laughs> here in the mean streets of Queens, New York, <laughs> that's what happens. Ah, man, you know, part of the fun of Halloween is having a nice jack-o'-lantern. So mm-hmm. having to worry about, I, I thought you were going to talk about some heathens or some punks or something like that. I wasn't expecting squirrels. <laughs> no, actually, the people, I mean, you know, obviously it can change any given year. But no, generally the, the people in my neighborhood are very respectful and you know in fact very complimentary towards all of my decorations pumpkin included so i haven't had any problems really with uh, any kind of you know vandalism knock on wood but uh yeah those squirrels they don't play by the rules they just squirrel wants what the squirrel wants not cool squirrels not cool yeah i know i hear you (laughs) But uh, you know what, James? I have neglected to jump into the starting lineup to tell these good people who we are. And shame on me for that. So I should do that, and I will do that right now. So that being the case, for tonight's starting lineup, in goal, as ever, I am number 35, your American Rhino, and of course, my valiant co-host. On defense number four, I'm James Sajazi. Yes, sir. James, is there anything interesting that's happened in the last week? You know what? Not in the last week. I'm just going to cut you off preemptively here. I apologize for that. But one thing that I didn't mention last week, and I wanted to, but I, I forgot. You had brought up Superfan Sue and her, her devils briefly. One thing that happened recently in the world of the National Hockey League relating to those self-same devils is they had a bit of a homecoming for one Martin Brodeur coming to their front office. So... You know, uh, it's it's no secret if you've been a longtime listener of this podcast that we, and, and especially I, have zero love lost over the Devils and especially Marty Brodeur. But since we do have fans that are of that particular persuasion, I just thought it was worth mentioning. Very big of you, and I'm sure that Superfan Sue will appreciate that. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it's the least I can do for one of our biggest fans. Yes. I mean, I would wish you luck, but that would be disingenuous and I wouldn't want to lie to you. So let's just say I mentioned it and move on. Well, that's part of the fun of being a hockey fan and and part of the fun of having three pro teams in the tri-state area, not even including the Buffalo Sabres upstate New York Mm -hmm. or Western New York. Excuse me. Buffalo likes to be referred to as Western New York. Look, we Uh, live in New York City. Everything (laughs) north of Westchester is upstate New York. Yeah, that that's it's true. That's our bias here in, in the city proper. But being Ranger fans, Islander fans, and Devil fans, and all being on top of one another and so close in proximity, it goes with the territory of being a hockey fan that we kind of needle each other. In, in all in good fun, hopefully. They play the Canadian national anthem before games in Buffalo. That's north. Like that counts. I didn't know that. That's wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean. Sharing Niagara Falls, I guess, but all right. Yeah, if <laughs> if if you play O Canada at your games, you are upstate. Yeah, I thought that there was only in Canada. Oh, okay, all right. Or unless you were playing a Canadian team, but that's awfully respectful and nice. Uh-huh. The people of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. How was your week? My week was all right. What did I do this week? I played hockey, as I mentioned, with my stinky gear. And other than that, I have done very little of consequence. So there's well, that. All right. At least I, you made you know, it through yeah. fairly unscathed. I know last week I was talking about my Voltron and my Rob robot amiibo and the virtual boy and all kinds of cool stuff. And this week I have nothing. Like, I have no clever, funny anecdotes that you might find interesting. I have nothing worthy of the waste of your time. I will say, just because we talked about video games last week, this is not something that I particularly am interested in because it's not something that I grew up with. But of note, Sony announced that they are taking Nintendo's lead, not that they use those words, but let's be honest, that's what they're doing. And they are releasing a PlayStation Classic console to sell similar to the NES and the SNES classics that Nintendo released. So, you know, Sony is releasing a PlayStation Classic. So 
I imagine that will have a number of classic PlayStation games on it, as the name might imply. And if you grew up with such a thing, then, you know, that may be something that you are interested in. All right, well, let's get this podcast way off the rails now. So I hope that Parappa the Rappa is involved in that classic PlayStation, because that was one of the best games I ever played, and it was kind of a predecessor to uh, Rock Band and Guitar Hero. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. Let me tell you something, James. Well, let me tell you something there, James. Brother. (laughs) I got me a PS4, dude, and I downloaded Parappa the Rapper. Oh, boy. And I got to be honest, I didn't really get the appeal. Like, I played into it a little ways, but I just couldn't really get into it. And I don't begrudge anyone who enjoyed it. And, you know, it sounds like for you and and I know for many other people, it was a, you know, pretty crucial part of their childhood. But it's just maybe it's because I didn't grow up with it and I'm coming to it as an adult. But I just, I, I mean, it was, it was cute and it was a little bit clever, but I just, I couldn't really get into it. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. I mean, if, if it was all that you knew at the time and that's all that we knew at the time. And I believe I was in high school by the time the first PlayStation came out and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the game and, and it was challenging, but it was funny because seeing the evolution of these games and I'm sure that the technology was there and then eventually Guitar Hero and Rock Band came to be where you had the guitars and the drums and, and so on and so forth. But at that time, you had to just hit the buttons. And mm-hmm. for me, coming from the Sega generation and the Genesis generation, where you had three to six buttons tops, and then with the the X's and O's and boxes and stuff, it was very challenging for me. But I like the music. I, I know the graphics were kind of weird, but I kind of dug that, too. And uh, yeah, it, it's all that we knew at the time. So going back, I understand your point of view. But for people like I am or grew up with that, Parappa the Rapper holds a very um, near and dear part in my heart. And I hope that PlayStation realizes that. Oh, sure, sure. And I, I respect that. And can I tell you, James, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Nintendo, this is, as you said, completely off the rails. But Nintendo actually had, I don't know how if it was before or after at the same time as Parappa, but it was within that time frame probably somewhere within give or take a couple of years. Nintendo came out with a rhythm game of their own and it was a Donkey Kong themed game where you had to play bongos in time with the music. Interesting. And before any of that, what I would consider the precursor, the, the biggest precursor to rock band for the original Nintendo Entertainment System, and I actually had this, I guess because my parents thought that I could actually learn to play piano, which is funny, but I mean, I'm sure if I had dedicated myself to it, I could have, but there was something called The Miracle, and it was a keyboard. It was an actual keyboard that you plugged into the Nintendo, and there was a Nintendo cartridge with lessons on how to play the piano. Wow. Yeah. And so the Nintendo could have theoretically taught me how to play piano. I tried. I honest to goodness tried, but I just couldn't get the hang of it. And I wasn't, you know, dedicated enough to the idea of practicing to get good at it. So it's largely my own fault. But yeah, so Nintendo was actually an educational in some respects, you know, they say video games will rot your brain. Nintendo in those days actually did try to do some educational stuff. Hey, no offense. And, and I have a huge, huge respect and appreciation for musicians and music and stuff like that, especially with the combination of hockey and the organ and the music played during games and stuff like that. But when you have Blades of Steel to play, <laughs> as opposed to taking lessons on a piano, I mean, Blades of Steel is going to win every time, no? I rented Blades of Steel. I never owned it, but it was a very good game. <laughs> play. Faithful. Make the path. Make the path. <laughs> I also love one of my favorite games, another game that I, for some reason, didn't own but rented was Base Wars. I think I've talked about this game on the podcast before. Are you familiar with Base Wars, James? From you. I mean, you give me an education in so many things, but especially on this podcast. Yeah, if you're unfamiliar with Base Wars, basically the premise of that game was it's the future. I don't remember how far the future, but it's, you know, it's probably the far-flung future of like 
2010 or something because that's how all those games worked back then but it's the future and the game of baseball has ceased being played by humans and now it's played by robots and the robots like battle each other for supremacy for like to decide hits and stuff so basically you'd have a team of robots and you'd have robots at every position and you had three different types you had like a humanoid robot a tank kind of robot and like a hovering robot and you could customize them with like how fast they could fire the ball or or how you know strong they were and you could also give them weapons and the reason you needed weapons is because when you got to a base if if you were safe you were safe fine but if you were tagged or you know if there was what would normally be an out in a regular baseball game you would fight and Depending on how egregious of an out it was, the base runner would start off with like a depleted energy, but the two robots, the runner and the fielder would fight and whoever won, you know, it was either an out or they got the base. And the cool thing was that if you fought enough times, which I did purposely, if you fought (laughs) enough times, you would damage the fielder to such an extent that they would blow up and then like there would just be eight players on the field and the ball would just be sitting there. So you could run to another base while the other players, you know, the other robot players had to scramble and pick up the ball and try and, you know, so if you went around the infield doing this, that you could basically just, you know, have free reign. So speaking of being a predecessor, you just figured out how to, Stop the shift long before the shift existed. Yeah, I guess so. Well done, American Rhino. I wish there was some equivalent for hockey. I don't know how it would work because hockey, you know, has fights already, but it just, it would have been perfect. (laughs) Hey, Nintendo, if you're listening, uh, pay the American Rhino. He has a great game for you. Uh, I think that was Data East. Hey, Data East, if you're listening. I don't think they exist anymore. I believe Data East was also the company that that made the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game and maybe Battletoads. Uh, yeah, this is going back 30 years. So my memory's not great. But uh, anyway, what were we talking about, James? I don't know. Maybe we should get into the on deck. Yeah, that's a good habit to get into for this podcast. When we completely lose the thread of what we're talking about, it's time to start actually talking about hockey. Good rule of thumb. All right. Well, in that case, James, I will impose upon you if you would do me the honor and do the listener the honor. Could you please tell us what is on deck for this podcast? Would be happy to. Thank you, sir. Cardinal Blues. I'm a sucker for any good story that combines baseball with hockey. An annual MLB tradition takes it to another level by combining deck hockey with baseball. Sort of. They built it, now use it. The Penguins Foundation is on a mission to grow the popularity of hockey as far and as wide as it can. 14 deck hockey rinks prove it. So does raising and donating millions of dollars to the cause. And our kind of school lesson. Not to be outdone, the Tampa Bay Lightning are doing their part in spreading the hockey love as they host hockey clinics for students throughout Orlando. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. Yeah, sure. So, great. So, uh, (laughs) the Blues, the the Cardinal St. Louis Blues. Although the Cardinals wear red, so this is automatically, you know, a, a, a weird thing, but So, yeah, basically, if you don't mind, James, I'll set this one up. So if you're not a big baseball fan like James and I are, you may not know this, but on baseball teams, it is traditional towards the end of the season to basically haze the rookies. And every team has different ways of doing this, and it has evolved over the years as hazing, the concept of hazing has become less and less acceptable you know, across the realm of sports. But one popular way that new players and rookie players are hazed in the MLB now is to have them dress up as things. Like, I know for our Mets, there have been occasions where they've made players dress up as superheroes. And 
when they dress up, they don't just like dress up in the locker room and take pictures. They do it like when they go on a road trip. So they make them dress up and get on the bus and get on the plane and go to the next city in these clothes. So, yeah, I know they've made them dress up as superheroes. I know I've seen players wearing like tutus and stuff, Uh, you know, all, all sorts of different whatever demeaning or silly ways they can think of to make the players not feel uncomfortable, but, you know, make them stand out and give everybody a good laugh. Now watch, I've offended people because I've associated the idea of a man dressing up in a tutu with demeaning them. But let's just set that aside for now because it's not my idea. This is just, I'm giving you the factual uh, definition of how they have hazed people in the past. So take it up with MLB, not with me. Send your hate to them. So anyway, the St. Louis Cardinals, in fact, this year have had their new players and rookies do just that very thing. Dress them up in a certain theme. And James, what is that theme? Yeah, thank you for explaining that, American Rhino. And totally true. So that's the fun of it. But what caught our eye was that, uh, yes, the, the Cardinal players, and it's really confusing to me. Because loving baseball and and being a Met fan, um, hating the Cardinals, but I'll put that aside for a minute. Yeah, uh, tell it to Keith Hernandez. Follow, no, uh, following your lead, but um, in uh, putting the uh, the piece out there for the good of the world, whatever. But um, yeah, so with the forty man roster expanding in September, there's a lot more rookies out there and more means of doing this, but. The thing that we really appreciated was instead of doing something really silly or totally humiliating, the Cardinals did something very cool and had their rookies dress up as St. Louis Blues. So I don't know if it was true or not, or if it was just rumors or tongue in cheek, but they did look like they had official Blues uniforms and the pants that go along with them with the official team logo on them. And the sponsor is usually CCM or Bauer that make the hockey pants. And uh, they had the socks and the matching, the helmets and everything. And big surprise there, American Rhino, that the uh, rookie catcher donned the goalie equipment, of course, with the similar helmets as baseball adopted the hockey style mask for the catcher. Yeah, so I, I just yeah. I want to I want to comment on this first. Uh, to your point, it I, I I'm pretty sure it is authentic because the article on NHL.com about this specified that several Blues players brought the gear to them. So I would imagine it is authentic Blues gear for them to use, and specifically about the catcher thing. Now this 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 article was clearly written by somebody who has never worn hockey gear or, or at least goalie gear specifically because I, I want to quote you what the quote was from this article. Catcher Carson Kelly had an easy transition as he donned the goalie gear, mask, catching gloves, pads. It's all pretty much the same. That sentence was written by somebody who has never worn goalie pads. I can tell you from experience that I wear goalie pads usually once a week or so, and it still takes me about 15 minutes to put them on with all the laces and buckles and straps. I have never actually worn catching gear, but given the fact that they can take it off and put it on between innings, I guarantee you it is not the same. For somebody, even with a professional goalie helping him and even if it's just like practice gear the the minimum level of ice hockey gear that you're going to wear is going to have those straps and buckles so i guarantee you that the catcher did not have experience with that kind of gear just from his career of catching i can vouch for that as a matter of fact as i have worn both catcher and goalie gear in my lifetime, not necessarily at the same time. <laughs> that would even, be a sight. Or even uh, in the same year. But uh, yes, you're absolutely right. The designs are different, obviously. Um, and yes, it is considerably easier to put the catching gear on and take it off quickly. And yes, especially for, for goalie stuff, you got to make sure that everything is properly put on and functions well also. And it's much more bulky and well, it takes a lot of getting used to. As I've uh, admitted many a time on this podcast, I don't know how you guys do it, how you girls do it in goal 
to be a goalie, to tell your body what to do and what arm and leg to move at any given time and have that stuff on and still be so agile. It's it's beyond me. But uh, yeah, they, they are much, much different uh, setups and so on and so forth. So maybe in this gentleman's defense that maybe was a little tongue in cheek there as well, but I don't know. I don't know how he fit on the plane with those pads. Like, (laughs) you know, it's, I tell you once I had to go back to my home when I was already wearing my pads, somebody drove me because I had to grab a spare piece of gear for somebody else to use. Otherwise we wouldn't have been able to play. And I could barely cram myself into like a front passenger car seat. I don't know how you fit in a plane seat, even if it's first class. I don't know how you fit in one of those in full goalie gear. That's just like, I, I that's, that's, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. That's a little unfair if the, uh, hopefully they didn't make him do that, but, um, if, if he did, then he earned some extra points for being hazed a little bit too hard compared to everybody else. That's, that's just, that's wrong. But the one thing I will give, them with regards to that kind of sentiment is that MLB catchers have adopted the goalie mask style of catcher's mask. So, you know, I can see that there would be some experience with that in, in terms of what you wear. And I'm, I know there's like a kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm gesturing again. <laughs> Obviously you can't see what I'm doing. I'm, kind of waving my hands in the vicinity of my chest. The chest protector that the catchers wear is probably similar in style or at least in in uh, the way it goes on to the chest guard that a goalie would wear. So I'll give you that that's probably a similar piece of equipment as well. And obviously a goalie wears a glove. So I can see where the writer of this article was coming from with that statement, but it's not entirely accurate. That's my point. Fair enough. And also a little bit of trivia here, too. I believe it was Charlie O'Brien, but it was a, a Met catcher who designed that style, the goalie mask style for baseball catchers. Hmm. And uh, he was with the Mets at the time. And I believe it started around the early 90s, around 93 or thereabouts. And then they perfected it. Now it's much more common in baseball. But the funny thing about that is that, like, according to Mike Piazza, is uh, he didn't like wearing the goalie style mask because he couldn't chew his gum. You know, it kind of interferes with <laughs> chewing gum. Do you feel that? Did you chew gum at all when you're playing hockey, American Rhino? No, I don't. But I understand why that would be a problem. Because if your mask is fit properly, it's not quite as tight as a helmet when it's cinched in there. But the kind of chin strap piece is cinched in pretty good. So you can't really open and close your jaw normally. You can, I mean, you can do it a little bit, but it's, it's not something like you'd be able to just, you know, just chew, you know, you're not, you're not going to be chowing down on big league chew out there while you're playing. Fair enough. Plus uh, just from a practical standpoint, if I was chewing gum, it would be a lot harder to yell, man on and you know you've got time and uh open net and whatever else i yell out there as a goalie without you know the risk of choking myself (laughs) i'm just i'm just saying you know play smarter not harder or play smarter not dumber play no no nah just just uh, it's just a bad idea thank you yeah sure but uh, the, the thing that really intrigued us about the St. Louis Cardinals dressing up as the St. Louis Blues is that they had the helmets, the jerseys, the socks, the pants, and all that stuff. But American Rhino, if you please. Yeah, they didn't wear any skates. They kept their cleats on for this costume, which, of course, means it's hazing in sneakers. Which I have to say, of all the options that they could have chosen to haze these guys, this is really a vastly preferable thing. Like, you could do a lot worse than have to dress up as a professional hockey player, you know? <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there's people who'd give their right arms to be hazed that way. Oh, absolutely. Exactly right. That's well done for both the Cardinals and the Blues. And it's much better than what the Mets used to do, which involved vandalizing a statue in Philadelphia. <laughs> Just my understanding is that when John Franco was the captain of the Mets, he would make the, when they did a like the last trip 
I guess the last road trip of the year to Philadelphia, he would make the rookies like he would bring them out to a park in the middle of the night and they would have to paint a statue. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, you didn't incriminate our fellow St. John's and Brooklynite. Well, for me, fellow Brooklynite, uh, John Franco. So <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. Uh, yeah, allegedly. Right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no Johnnies were harmed in the making of this statement or something. Good stuff. I mean, that's what I hear. Obviously, I wasn't there. I've never yes. played for the Mets. Oh, I, gosh. You did work for them, though. Yeah, yeah I worked at Chase Stadium, yes. <laughs> and, and it was both a dream and a nightmare job. And I'm happy to have had the experience, but it's not something I would choose to repeat ever. All right. But hey, man, if there is a job you could have, it would be maybe building deck hockey rinks. Hey, I would, you know, <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Uh, or at least that's what I hear. It's true. It's true. James Earl Jones taught me that. Absolutely. Not personally. I don't know James Earl Jones. I mean, that would be pretty cool if I did, but I don't. So I don't want to give anybody the impression that, that I do. It's not like I hang out with Darth Vader in my spare time. <laughs> yeah. Why would you be wasting your time with this podcast and having me as a co-host if you knew James Earl Jones? Although... <laughs> hmm. CNN oh. is part of the family of the company that I work for, and he does that. This is CNN. Hmm. I wonder if I can meet him. I doubt it, but there's that tiny crack in the door that wasn't there before. So I'll keep you posted. Oh, please, please, God. The American Rhino and Darth Vader, please. Uh huh. That's a match made in heaven. Yeah. All right. Well, why were we talking about building deck rinks? Oh, yeah. The Penguins Foundation. Ah, which... the Penguins. You know, I give a lot of grief to the Penguins just because I'm a hockey fan. And, you know, if you don't live in Pittsburgh and your name isn't Doc Emmerich, that's what you do. But in all seriousness, they have, as we've detailed here on the podcast before, they have done an awful lot to grow the sport of hockey and specifically street hockey slash ball hockey in the Pittsburgh area. So as much as I love to hate on them, and I do, let's make no mistake about that, they do do good work for hockey and and they should not go unnoticed for that. Yeah, again, I don't know. This is like a peace conference here or something for uh, Hit the Deck, but we're putting our differences aside for the good of the game and whatnot, and hopefully for the good of this podcast and for you, the listener. But one of the things that the Pittsburgh Penguins Foundation has done is not only build rinks around the uh, Pennsylvania area, but they've even expanded into Ohio, where I'm not very geographically talented, but I do know that Ohio and Pennsylvania are neighbors. And yeah, Pittsburgh isn't too far from Youngstown, where this article was written by Mr. Mike Gaunter. Excuse me if I mispronounced your name, sir. Are we but, sure uh, that the article was written in Youngstown? He could have been traveling. He could have been just writing about Youngstown from somewhere else. I know I'm <laughs> nitpicking here, but it's kind of my thing. I think that, well, the rink that they're talking about here that they recently built was in Mill Creek. And I think that's in Youngstown, Ohio, or neighboring of Youngstown. Again, I, I'm not very good at geography, unfortunately. But my point is that the author yes. of the article was not necessarily in Youngstown when he wrote it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I True. am going to split this hair straight down to the scalp. Maybe uh, Mr. Gaunter could let us know where he was when he wrote this article. But where were you? We need one of those lights and a... <laughs> yeah. You know, a smoky room. And a... All right, spill. Uh, yeah, very recently, employees of the Pittsburgh Penguins Foundation built a hockey rink there at Mill Creek in uh, what is known as Metro Park and a specific deck hockey rink. You can use it for roller hockey as well, but it's really awesome in the recreation area that they built it. And it takes the place of an old ice rink that closed down more than 15 years ago. So it's nice that they already had the area there, the wherewithal to just kind of recycle and give new life to the deck rink. And I think making more sense because you can use it all year round, hopefully. I'm not sure if it's indoors or outdoors, but it's part of a bigger facility. And we'll get into 
the amount of money that was raised for the facility too, but deck hockey is front and center in that, which is why we sought our attention to this article and appreciated it. And they will announce the opening date in the near future for the deck hockey leagues that will be taking place in that rink. And they have a lot of plans for it and it's going to be used a lot and specifically for growing the sport of hockey. So if it's either deck hockey, mostly deck hockey, or even roller hockey, they have plans for it and they're going to utilize it. They've tried very hard to grow the sport of hockey over the last few years. And again, building 14 of these outdoor multi-use athletic facilities. Show-offs. Yep. For both youth and adults as well. And now that's up to 14. And getting along the way to that, the Penguins Foundation has raised millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars as well as the Metro Parks Development Director. This is an amazing year. They've raised $2.4 million in private donations this year for the facility, not just for the decade. Yeah, $2.4 million, which is really when you look at it, that in years past, two years ago, they only raised $17,000 and change. In 2015, $106,000, which is nothing to sneeze at. And in 2014, it was 334. So they were kind of up and down all over the scale, but they just went nuts this year. 2.4 million, which was led by the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins Foundation, as they fit the bill for something like $250,000 of the cost of installing the rink and converting the old ice hockey rink to a deck hockey rink. Wow, that's <laughs> that's not nothing. Yeah, that, that's a huge chunk of change. Now, you know, Gary and I are from New York, so we're used to overprices and things of that nature, but that's pretty astounding. I had no idea that it took that much money and that much effort for deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know what? It's... Yeah. I don't know what they had to do for this facility to revitalize it and to renovate it, but you got to figure if it was in disuse for 15 years, they probably had to, well, they definitely had to rip out the surface and, and the plumbing and stuff and put down a new surface. And I imagine it's probably like a sport court type deal and those aren't cheap. So there's that. I imagine they would have had to put up new boards mm-hmm. and, you know, benches and what have you. I don't know if they would have put up new stands or bleachers or anything like that, probably. But, you know, a lot depends on whether this is an indoor or outdoor facility, which we don't know. But, yeah, I can see infrastructure costs running into $2.4 million. You know, maybe there's a scoreboard system yes. involved. There is. There's got to be some kind of drainage. There's, uh, yeah, it's, you know what, when you're building these facilities, if you're doing it right and making it a really top of the line, high class thing, yeah, you could spend that much money. And they, again, they have great plans for it too. The uh, board that set aside the rules and regulations and that will run the facility. They have uh, equipment and rental fees for the deck rink at uh, the Wick Recreation Area. The Pittsburgh Penguins Foundation, again, they led the way with converting the old ice rink to the deck rink. And the rink is free to use if it's not been reserved. But if you have a 60-minute reservation, it's $20 for Mahoning County residents and $30 for non-residents. So to me, that's a steal. Give me 30 bucks and, and we have our own deck rink to play for an hour. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it's a full size rink, you're not going to be playing with less than 10 people. So, you know, that's $3 a person for an hour of hockey. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I would have been happy to spend the whole 30 out of my own pocket. So <laughs> gladly would do so. Mm-hmm. Um, also hockey and lacrosse sticks for whatever reason, they're only $2 to rent. And there will be a dollar charge for renting the uh, puck or ball. It's going to take a while to make back that $2.4 million at that rate. But, exactly. you know, slow and steady wins the race, I guess. Well, the final part of this is when the leagues kick off and things. The uh, Metro Parks offer the leagues and uh, rates for adult teams would be $500 and $50 for individual children. So maybe that will help put a dent into that uh, $2.4 million hole. Yeah, maybe. All right. Well, still, this is admirable. It's great. 
really. Though it pains me to say, good on you, Pittsburgh. Good on you. Yeah, and, and still, this is really big for us because being diehard Ranger fans that uh, Gary and I are, we have to go to the rivals of the New York Rangers as the Pittsburgh Penguins and now going down to Tampa Bay, the Lightning. Oh, the, uh, the, the, the former Rangers, you mean? Yes, exactly. There's enough of a connection there. <laughs> Ex-Ranger like, captains. Yes, like many New Yorkers before them, the ex-Rangers have all gone to Florida. It's true. Absolutely. And what are they doing down there? They're not going to Disney. Well, maybe they're going to Disney. I, I, I couldn't say. I mean, they don't play hockey every day, but uh, in the off season, maybe they are going to Disney. But Tampa is a ways away from Orlando. So let's assume that they're not going there every day. But uh, no, what they are doing, the Tampa Bay Lightning is who we're talking about. And what they are doing is they are hosting clinics for local students. So they are doing their own part to grow the game of hockey. Man, between Arizona and Pittsburgh and now Tampa, it's like the league is competing to see who can do the most to grow the game of hockey. And I love it. Yes. Yes. Let the competition flow through you. Yes. Outdo one another. So, yeah, my point there basically is that it's good that these teams are going above and beyond to make sure that hockey is, is well represented and it, you know, for the next generation to embrace the sport specifically in this case, what they're doing is, uh, well, they're holding clinics for students, for, uh, local students in the Tampa area. And this is the, the bolt community hockey program, which is what we're talking about specifically that I guess is the, Tampa Bay Lightning's official like community outreach program for helping these uh, you know kids and growing the game. And so I mean much like we've seen from a number of NHL teams, they are running clinics and basically they're they're not just, you know, a lot of times you get a team that's going to set up shop somewhere and say, "Oh, come out to such and such and the team's running a clinic." What they're doing is they're running around to different area schools and they've actually run clinics at five different schools in the Orlando area. Oh, they are going to Orlando. Look at that. So, (laughs) so, uh, you know, color me incorrect. I guess they in fact are going to Orlando and I, 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 I think it is really just a cover to go to Disney. It's uh, or possibly universal. Maybe they're big fans of the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Maybe, but does Disney still have stock in the Anaheim Ducks? I don't think so. I could be wrong, but I think they sold any uh, controlling interest in the previously mighty Ducks a a long time ago. Okay. And also that's in Anaheim. So, you know, unless they're going to the All-Star Sports Resort with the big, like, goofy or whatever hockey I don't, I don't think, uh, I mean, Disney world does have the ESPN wide world of sports area, but I don't think they have any hockey there. I think that's just like football and, you know, big like auditorium facilities and, and baseball. They, they definitely have baseball. I know. Cause the Braves do spring training there. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I've, what what am I what am I even talking about, James? How did I get here? How did I get to Brave Spring Training from Tampa Bay Lightning hockey clinics? Because because they were in Orlando teaching these clinics in elementary school. Speaking of Orlando and Universal, did you hear that they have secured? They did this a while ago, but you know, new details leak out here and there. Universal Studios has signed a contract with Nintendo. See, it all comes full circle, kind of. They've signed a contract with Nintendo, and they're going to be opening up, like, Nintendo lands in their theme parks. Interesting. Yeah, so there's going to be, like, a Super Mario land, and I just saw a rumor that there's going to be, like, a Zelda land, 
and oh boy. Uh, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. So I've never been to Universal, but you can bet that I'm going to make a trip if that stuff opens. You and oh, me both, brother. Although not to Japan, because I think they're going to have the big like Super Mario Brothers themed land at least debuting there, and I'm not making the trip. I'm sorry. I love it, but not that much. Fair enough. But um, yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> speaking of the lightning, which we weren't. Wait, no, no, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I can do this. I can do this. Watch, watch. I, I've got this. I've totally got this. Okay. So we're talking about Universal Studios, which used to feature Back to the Future, the ride. And of course, the big set piece at the end of Back to the Future is when Marty went back to the future when the DeLorean got hit by lightning. And we're talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning who are running a clinic and uh, it's seamless. You can really, you, you, you can't detect the cracks at all. This is airtight, this transition. I'm a professional. Yes, you are. Yeah, okay. Man, I think I hurt myself with that stretch. <laughs> like, DDP yoga could not prepare me for that stretch. Oh. Uh, but anyway, so speaking of the Tampa Bay Lightning, <laughs> yeah, so during the week that this clinic ran, um, or, or clinics, I guess, ran, they gave approximately 1,500 kids hockey equipment. That's a lot of hockey equipment. That's like... $3,000 worth of sticks at the Mill Creek uh, Metro Parks rink. <laughs> Actually, that's, that's not even because they're rentals at the Mill Creek. And I would assume that these kids got to keep their sticks. They also donated a full set of hockey equipment to each school. And that includes nets, two nets, two sets of goalie pads, which are not $2. I can guarantee you that. They are considerably more than $2. 40 sticks and two shooter tutors and 40 jerseys. So they set these schools up, which, you know, I, I, I hate to keep going back to it because we do kind of hit this point over and over and when we talk about this type of story. But it really is, you know, it's it's like you're seeding the game with these kids, you know, you're giving them the means to play. And by doing that, you are kind of building in an interest in the sport that otherwise might not exist. It's not only philanthropic and generous, but it's also really smart from a marketing perspective. And I am much more inclined to give credit to the Tampa Bay lightning <laughs> for their contributions to the game. So, uh, you know, this doesn't hurt nearly as much to say, good on you, Tampa Bay. Way to grow the game. Last minute remaining in the podcast. Thank you, Pops. And thank you always for being the voice of the podcast here on Hit the Deck. Thank you, of course, to Anthony Sajazi for providing us with music and the LIQ for sound effects. Thank you to you always and every single time for listening to this podcast if it were not for you the dedicated fan the dedicated hit the deck listener there would be no hit the deck and james and i are abundantly in your debt for your efforts in that area if you would like to continue to support this podcast we're not going to ask you for donations we're not going to ask you to go door to door telling people about the podcast Although if you want to, we have stickers. I'm just saying. But no, all we're going to ask is that if you could please subscribe to us if you haven't already done so on Apple Podcast or Podbean or Stitcher or the, the Google Podcast or really almost any place where there are podcasts to be subscribed to. Whatever your podcasting place of choice is, subscribe to us there if you haven't already done so. And if you would also do us the credit of subscribing on youtube we would appreciate that and the best thing you can do to help us with this podcast to support us in some way is to go on itunes and leave us a review of you know whatever you think is fair just leave however many stars five would be welcome but i'm not telling you to do anything do whatever you think is fair and if you could leave us a little comment to tell other people why they should listen to hit the deck that would help us out so much. It would be all of the awesome. If you'd like to talk to us directly, 
then you can do so by contacting us. Email us at hit the deck. Deck is, of course, D E K. Hit the deck at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at hit the deck pod. You can get us on Instagram and Facebook. We are at hit the deck. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are on YouTube. It is the Hit the Deck podcast channel. James, is there anything that you'd care to add? Yes. First of all, very relieved again that Lou and Kevin made it out okay for the hurricane and hope the same for their family and friends and everybody else involved. Unfortunately, it looks like that uh, still some flooding and, and some after effects of the damage. So good luck on the way to recovery and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, as, as Gary said, Lou and the uh, Charlotte Street Hockey League, they had pickup games over the weekend. And Kevin, the Raleigh Street Hockey, they were back in action too. So happy to see that. And thanks for the support, guys. As always, looking to play deck and joining a league, please check out Columbus Deck Hockey Association. Again, Charlotte Street Hockey, the Raleigh Street Hockey League, and our own LIQ. Uh, You have some extra gear to donate. Please do so to LaGrange Hockey. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Yes, sir. Thank you, James. And for you, dear listener, here, right here at the end of the podcast, I want to leave you with the same sentiment as always, and that is, namely, whether you are a sportsman of another stripe masquerading as a hockey player or somebody who is new to the game and breaking in a brand new ball hockey rink, whether you are a kid who's learning the game from an NHL team at your school, or whether you are somebody who's just nostalgic for the days when you can sit in your living room and play pretend games on your television. Regardless of what you happen to be doing, I would always urge you to remember it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. Spider James, Spider James. Doing a podcast with Spider James. Look out! Hey there, Spider James. <laughs> Where's the shirt? In his house. Good thing there is no spouse. Hey there! <laughs> that guy is Spider James. Wherever there's a podcast, I am putting you on blast. That guy is Spider James. My spider sense didn't pick up on that. <laughs> <laughs>